Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Welcome to everybody and welcome online. I'm going to do something unusual this morning and I'll explain why in a minute. I'm going to share a picture and a prophetic word and a scripture that God gave us on Tuesday night. If you've never been to a Tuesday night worship at eight o'clock, it's the place to be. It's a great place to be. And, and God spoke to us. It was just so thrilling. So there was this picture of a dark room with a little match shining in it, a little light, almost like a pilot light. And uh, the Lord was saying, even in a dark room, if there's a little tiny light, you would be drawn to it. You'd be drawn to it because it's your only hope kind of thing. And then we were reminded of um, the story of Moses when he saw the burning bush. And Moses had been walking in the desert for 40 years with his sheep. He'd run away from Egypt because he'd committed a crime, gone into the desert, uh, met his wife, and just lived as a shepherd for 40 years. And after these 40 years, he sees this burning bush. And Scripture says that he thought, ooh, I'm going to turn aside and look at this strange sight. And then it says, when God saw that he turned aside to look at this strange sight, God spoke to him out of the bush. This bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. That's why it was strange. It was going on and on burning. And God gave him his next step. We all know that. Go to Pharaoh and let my people go. Yeah. But it was because he stopped and turned aside to see the strange sight. And then God spoke to him by name, Moses, Moses, out of this burning bush and gave him his next step. And even though Moses didn't feel he could do it and had all sorts of arguments, he did it in the end and changed the course of history for the Jews. Well, the Lord then went on to say from this picture that he was going to do some unusual things. He was going to let us see some unusual things during the week that uh, if we would stop and take him seriously and listen, he would speak to us. And I knew this was a really strong word, and I spoke to Pastor Giles and Roz and said, is it okay if I share that on Sunday? Because I believe this is a time for us to know the next step. And it may be some of you have been going around maybe 40, 30, 50 years thinking, you know, where am, what am I supposed to be doing? And in the darkness, remember the first picture was a dark room with a little light in it. And maybe you think, maybe Christianity, maybe you think this church or another church is my little light. I'm going to go to it. I'm going to turn aside. Yeah. But God's saying, look out for the unusual. Immediately after that meeting, someone said, well, I had an unusual thing. I knew it. When God speaks it, of course, it's true. The next day, I saw the most unusual thing. I mean, <laughs> I've told some of you, somebody dressed in the most extraordinary clothes, doing the most extraordinary things while I was going for a walk calmly. They were getting all around me. They were doing these weird things. And I thought, oh, this is my unusual thing. I will stop and look and I will listen. And God spoke to me about my next step. Somebody else said, oh, I had a strange thing happen this week. And a couple of cars in front of them 
a lorry had just overturned out of the blue. And they were like, whoa! And that's what I mean by this unusual thing. And uh, immediately, the man got out of the car that, of the person who saw the unusual thing, went to help the person get out, and thought, wow, my daughter has just got her driver's license. I'm going to make sure she has proper lessons and learns to drive properly, because this could happen to her. Now, do you see how that's an ordinary, everyday thing? But an unusual thing happened, and he had a word about what to do next. Go home and get your daughter into some decent lessons. And the mum who was sitting in the car, she saw it as well, and she was like, whoa. And God spoke to her. Then I was on the phone yesterday to a friend in America, and uh, I was telling her about this, and we were praying and saying, Lord, pray for her to have her unusual thing. And immediately, as we prayed, she saw something really unusual out of the window. And she said, well, would you look at that? You know, <laughs> so that's how you know she was American. Um, and God spoke to her. So I want to say to you, this is a real word from God. Look out this week for something unusual. Or maybe you can just think now, actually, that weird thing happened. But it's not enough just to say, oh, that weird thing happened. It's to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me out of that? And let's take it seriously. And let's do it. Even if we feel a bit, oh, fancy God saying that to me. You know, what are we if we're not people who can communicate with God and hear his voice? Constance spoke a couple of weeks ago about being a good sheep. And the good sheep hears his voice and follows. Yeah? And it wasn't weird and wacky. You know, we're not talking about, Master the Lord, or anything like that. This is just everyday life and God bringing, prompting a thought into our hearts. And I'm really hoping that that is going to happen for you, maybe through this sermon, or maybe through something during the week. And talk about it with other people. Talk about it on your way home. Talk about it over dinner. Well, I wonder what it's going to be. Get excited about the word of the Lord. Yeah, because it's only good. Somebody said, you know, if you're listening for the word of the Lord, put a smile on your face. Because it's going to be good. It's going to make things better. Yeah. Anyway, that leads me on a bit to what I want to talk about. During uh, Lent, we're doing a series on the life and miracles of Jesus. And I was like, oh, I wonder what miracle I could do. Giles has done a couple of juicy ones. And uh, so how about I do? And then I thought, no, I'm going to talk about the faith of Jesus. How was it that when Jesus said something or did something, it worked? And we're supposed to have the same faith as him, but does it always work? Yeah, don't we want more of Jesus's kind of faith? And we're going to start with looking at Mark 11, 22. Uh, which, has been, which says, Jesus said to them, have faith in God. Well, that's what your Bible might say, have faith in God. But if you look at the original Greek, and if any, anybody knew my Gary, he used to make a little joke every time when he talked about Greek. He'd say, I know a little Greek. He runs the takeaway on the corner. <laughs> so I have to bring that one in. Okay. Anyway, this is, this is a little bit of Greek for you. The word for in God is not in God at all, actually. It's of God or from God. So instead of saying have faith in God, it actually says, Jesus was saying to his disciples, have faith from God. That's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah? So put your faith in God or have the faith of God. Put your money in the bank or have the money of the bank. 
Very different. Which would you rather? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Jesus is saying. The disciples said, goodness, what you just said to that tree happened. And he's saying, you can have some of that. Have some of the faith that I've come to earth with. Yeah. That when I say something, it happens. So I got thinking about this word faith. In the Greek, it's pistis. Yeah. And I looked up some commentaries and have a look at this. There's a quote from Calvin. He says, faith is a persuasion from God that we receive as he grants impulse to it. He talks about the divine spark of faith. And when you look at the life and miracles of Jesus, isn't there that divine spark of persuasion that takes somebody from saying, oh, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, to believing? Yeah, there's a divine spark that matches and meets somebody's hope and belief. If I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed, a lady said. She had a hemorrhage. And it hit that divine spark, and she was healed. So it's not ours. This faith is not ours. The hope is ours, but God has given everybody, it says in Scripture, Romans 12, 3, God has given everybody a bit of this faith. And it's the same word that's used for the gift of faith in 1 Corinthians about all the gifts of the Spirit. Pistis. God has given us it. It's not ours, but we do something with it. Let me give you an example. Imagine a Christmas party and, you know, this family are there and dad really wants a computer and a program so that he can set up his own business. And mum really wants a ticket for Australia to go and see some relatives and the kids want, I don't know, a guitar and lessons and maybe, um, I don't know, a ticket to see their favorite football team. And that's what they want. And in comes the man dressed as Santa. And he says, oh, I've got this for Mr. Bloggs. I've got a computer and a program. So here's the gift. What's Mr. Bloggs got to do? He's got to take it. But is it enough for him to say, wow, I've got this great computer and this great program, this great software? He's going to do something with it, isn't he? He's going to, it, it, the Bible says faith without works is dead, but equally works without faith is dead. It's dead works. So we take the gift that God's given us. We take the faith that God's given us. So when this dad is a, I know, a multimillionaire, he says, yes, I've worked with this program on this computer, but I couldn't have done it without the gift. Do you see? And when mum gets her ticket, she doesn't just put, frame it and put it on the wall. She takes it to the airport and goes to see the relatives. And they say, wow, it's great to see you. And she says, yeah, I came, but I couldn't have done it without the gift. Yeah, the, the child gets the guitar. She's not going to just hang it on the wall. She's going to take those lessons and she's going to go and learn. And when she's a famous rock star and people say, wow, you're amazing, she's going to say, yeah, but I couldn't have done it without the gift. Do you see how, yes, of course we should do things for God, Yes, we should exercise the gifts of the Spirit and do good works, but we couldn't do it without the gift. The first gift of Jesus dying for us. And then these gifts that he gives us. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, faith, that's another gift. It's not something the branch can make happen. It's a gift. It's a fruit. It's given to us, but then we do something with it. Yeah. And this, this picture we had at the beginning was, I'm giving you a vision of me. I'm giving you something unusual, and I'm giving you all the grace and resources you need to do it. The Bible says in 
um, Acts 18, verse 27, it says that people believed through grace. And we all know that grace is a gift. Grace is not something we deserve. But did you know that we can't believe except by God's grace? Yeah. And I've told you before about um, the lady in Southeast Asia who she was like, she couldn't believe, she couldn't believe. And then suddenly she could. The divine spark, divine persuasion just met her wanting to believe, her hope that it was true. And God can do it all sorts of ways. You look at the miracles of Jesus. He, did, he, he touched people in all sorts of ways, didn't he, to do miracles. So we haven't got to look at so-and-so and say, oh, well, God did it that way for them. I'm going to try and make that happen. This isn't a try and make it happen thing. This is a, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And it starts where we are, doesn't it? Yeah, I maybe believe a little bit. Jesus talked about great faith, little faith, growing faith, increased faith. So God knows where we are. We don't have to try and make something happen. We say, Lord, I do believe this much. I do believe that your Bible is true. I do believe that you died on the cross. But you see, the thing is, we've said it before, the demons believe that and they tremble. So they know it's true, but there's another step that says, and I'm going to make that my own. I'm going to say Jesus Christ died for me. I just want to stop a second and pray that. Father, pray for anybody who's listening who's got a certain amount of faith and sort of knows it's true, but says, oh, I wish I had your faith. I wish I had more faith. I want to ask, Lord, for these people that you would give them that divine persuasion, that spark of faith to receive you as their saviour and know that it's true. In Jesus' name. So if we go back to Jesus, Jesus knew about this faith, didn't he? And he knew what he'd come to do. The important thing about faith is it's believing that God will do what he said he would do. So we don't just randomly pluck something out of the air and say, oh, I'm going to believe for that. If you remember the story of Abraham, it said he was fully persuaded that God would do what he had said. Yeah. So the persuasion was not something he thought, oh, I wish this would happen. This was God had spoken to him and said, I'm going to give you a son through your wife, Sarah, and she will bear a son, and through him, you'll be a father of many nations. And he believed that what God had said, he would do. So what we need to do then is know what has God said in this situation. How do we know that? We're good sheep. We hear the voice of the good shepherd. How do we do that? We'll talk in a minute. But Jesus knew. Do you remember when he came to earth, he said uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted, to open blind eyes. So he did. So he did because he knew that God had sent him to do that. And he had that divine persuasion that when he prayed for a blind man, he would be healed because God had said it. How did he know that? He spent ages with God. Didn't he? Do you remember he used to spend hours in prayer overnight sometimes? We're going to do that. We're going to have an all-night prayer meeting. <laughs> I'm excited about that. And, yes, I know. Anyway, um, Jesus spent all that time in prayer. He knew what the Father wanted. Yeah, he said, I don't do anything except what I hear from my Father. I don't do anything except the works the Father does in me. 
So it's no good me going to Giles and saying, God's going to give you a billion pounds if God's not saying it in me. I can't just pluck that out of the air. I need to make it my business to learn to hear from God like Jesus did. And he will. The Bible says, um, Psalm 86, it says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak because he will speak peace to his people. So I will hear and he will speak. But then it says, but don't let them turn back to folly. You know, if you're going to hear what God's saying to you, don't go back to saying, oh, I never know what God wants. Da, 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 da. No, let's go in faith. And if you don't believe, ask God for some more faith. Ask God for that divine spark. That says, I believe you're going to speak to me today. But I would also say, make sure you run by somebody who knows God perhaps better than you. Run the things by so we don't get all weird and wacky. Yeah. Always run it by the Bible. Always run it by uh, a leader or someone who knows God. So Jesus knew he was anointed. It says in Acts 10.38 that uh, God, Jesus went about doing good because God had anointed him. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He did it because he knew he was anointed to do it. Do we have that knowledge in us? Do you know that God has given his power to you? Do you know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Now, you've become a Christian, and we can't do that except by the Holy Spirit. But there is more, you know. In Acts chapter 19, Paul goes to some people who've become Christians, and he says to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, well, we don't know. And he said, oh, well, let's pray for you so that you re receive more of the Holy Spirit. So every day we can pray that. Can I have more of your Holy Spirit? Can I be overflowing with your Holy Spirit? Can you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? We're going to have some baptisms in a while. You know, and it means go right into it. Let it seep into you. Yeah. If you put a sponge in a bowl of water, is the water in the sponge or is the sponge in the water? Both. Yeah. And we can ask God, do that with your Holy Spirit. Let me live in your spirit, in the power of your spirit, and fill me with the power of your spirit. We can do that. I'm going to pray, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for everyone here who wants more of you. We get frustrated with the, the limitations of our lives. We want more than we have now. Every day we want more. We want to be able to share our faith more. We want, when we pray, we want to see some results. We want to see miracles and signs and wonders in this church. So we're asking you, Lord, for more of your spirit. Pour out your spirit into each one. I pray that each one, maybe they've been walking like in a dark room, wishing that Christianity was more than it is. I pray today, like that pilot light, you would ignite the truth and the dimensions of your power and love in them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Lord saying that there's someone here, and that word 40 years means a lot to you. But it was at the end of 40 years that Moses had his vision. 
And I believe the Lord's saying to you, look out for your vision. Look out for your burning bush. Look out for a light. Look out for the something unusual. Take the time to ponder it, talk it over with a leader. Because your 40 years has come to something, not come to nothing. That's what God's saying. Your 40 years has come to something and not nothing. And I think there's somebody younger here who's saying, I really hope the Christian life is more than this for the rest of my life. I really hope I haven't got to plod along like this with this little bit of light. And I believe God's saying to you, no, go to that little pilot light and ask God to ignite the whole truth of what your life is to be. There is much more. I believe there are other people who are saying, look, this is just too high. There's a Bible verse that says, oh, it's too high for me. I cannot attain it. And God's saying, I sent my son Jesus to bring it down to you, to put it within your reach. And if you'll receive Jesus and the gift that he has for you, you'll find that it is within reach. Thank you, Jesus. Spend a little minute or two now just asking God, is there something you want to show me today? And believe that he does. Scripture says when we come together, everybody has something. Everybody has something from God. That's scriptural. And Lord, I pray for that spark of faith, that divine persuasion that you've got something for each one. Maybe you'll remember an unusual thing. Maybe you'll remember a word that God gave you years ago. And you need to bring it to that pilot light, that match, like a touch paper. Say, Lord, would you, would you make it real? You maybe need to bring a disappointment. Bring it into that place of light. I believe that also God's talking about something that's been frozen. This may be somebody listening online. Something that's been frozen. And God's saying, bring it to the fire. Bring it to the burning bush. Maybe it's a frozen hope. Maybe it's frozen assets. Maybe it's a frozen shoulder. But bring it to the fire. And God will melt it. And bring it to life again. And somebody might be saying, you know, this, I'm not sure this is real at all, but I wish it was. I've got a non-Christian friend who says, I don't believe it, but I hope some people do. I'm glad some people do. We want it to be true, don't we? We want it to be true that God comes to us and speaks to us and comforts us and reassures us and leads us and directs us. Well, it is true. The Bible says it's true. And I'm praying that you'll know it's true for you. So I want to finish by saying, 
let's take this seriously. Let's take this hearing from God seriously. Let's make this a day when we say, right, from now on, I'm going to make it my business to study scripture and ask God to speak to me through it. I'm going to make it my business when I'm praying with people to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Yeah, you remember I've always said about hearing from God, the open and shut thing. Yeah, open your heart to Jesus, open your Bible and open your notebook and shut down those voices that tell you you're not going to hear. Shut down all you wish you could hear and then go and share it with somebody who you trust. We're going to do communion in a minute or two. And there's a verse in the Bible that says that these two guys were walking along the road to Emmaus. They asked Jesus to come in and eat with them. And it said he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So I'm praying that when we take this communion together, Jesus would make himself known to you in new ways today. I do believe this is a turning point for the church, that God is showing us a new direction. And let's go with it. Let's not be left behind. Thank you, Lord.